What is up, Stocks and Sandals listeners? This is your host, DJ. Before we start this episode, I wanted to throw in a couple of quick disclaimers. The first is that due to Monster being overseas and some mic issues on our end, you may hear some technical difficulties. The other disclaimer to be aware of is that Monster will discuss some tickers and refer to them as good plays for next week. But be aware that this episode was recorded a few weeks ago, so the status of those tickers has likely changed, so plan accordingly. With all that said, we have an awesome episode loaded with valuable content for you guys today. So let's do it. We hope you enjoy. Hey! You're listening to Stocks and Sandals, a podcast by Stock Dads for Stock Dads. Following two best buds and former college roommates on their journey to master the stock market and the art of being a dad. So pull up your cargo shorts, put on your grass-stained New Balances, and let's throw some stocks on the grill. Here are your hosts, DJ Brown and Mike Sabala. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Stocks and Sandals. This is your host, Mike Sabala, and I am so excited for today uh, because we have a very special guest with us. Uh, I honestly almost just want to skip introducing DJ um, and just get right to it, but uh, I am, as always, joined here by DJ. Um, DJ, can you just like hurry and get your introduction out of the way so we can get to it? <laughs> wow, this is really hurtful, really hurtful. Um, Obviously, I'm not super important to you, Mike, but uh, no, really. I totally get it. <laughs> I totally get it. Uh, we're super excited today to bring on our guest, um, who many of you may be familiar with uh, from Twitter or Discord. Uh, he goes by the name of Monster Calls, Monster underscore calls on Twitter, and uh, also is part of the Garage Discord. Um, but he really doesn't need much more of an introduction than that, I'm sure, for many of you. Uh, but he also goes by Luca, so that's what I'm going to be calling him today. Uh, so, Luca, can you just kind of do uh, take just a second to you know introduce yourself for those of you who may not know who you are and who might be missing out on the the uh, wonder that is Monster Calls and and the skills that you bring to the table? Sure. Um, hello, first of all, this is uh, Monster Calls on Twitter. My name, my real name is Luca. I'm from Italy. Uh, I grew up in Sicily, and then uh, I, uh, I start to work in the oil industries, and I start to travel all around the world, do my job, and I've been everywhere. I was living in Thailand, and now I relocate in the Netherlands. In three years, I live in the Netherlands. Um, well, and um, I become well known right now in the penny stock market. The reason is, uh, well, I do my trades, and I start trading five years ago when the first time it was an oil crisis and I lost my job. And then I went to, to penny stock market and basically, well, I was starting trading. That's awesome. So thanks for sharing and, and thanks for being on with us today. I know that you probably uh, have far better things to do than to talk to you know Mike and me, but uh, we really appreciate you having us on and taking the time to uh, chat with us. It's really cool of you. So um, today for our listeners, we are going to be talking about one of one of uh, the many specialties that Luca or Monster Calls brings to the table, which is, um, you know, due diligence and researching stocks and, you know, finding these, you know, winners uh, before they are well known and finding them early and getting into them to help, you know, uh, people make big gains. And uh, a lot of people follow his calls and a lot of people have found a lot of success following his calls. But one of the 
you know, the most important things that we always tell our listeners and everybody that we uh, encounter, and, and Luca does the same, is that you need to be good at doing your own due diligence, right? So um, we all, there are a lot of people out there that can call, you know, good stocks out and, you know, get good success. But, you know, in order to be a successful trader, you have to be able to take those calls and then, you know, kind of confirm everything that you're hearing and understand them yourself. So Luca's going to kind of walk us through a little bit more today on how to do some of that or how his, how he does it, what his process looks like. And I think we're going to find a lot of valuable content. So, um, with that, Luca, you mind if we go ahead and get started? Yeah, sure. So, um, first thing first, all the time when you start to think about investing money into penny stock, you have to calculate the affordable risk you can uh, use for that investment. Okay. So basically, how much are you willing to lose in case a stock doesn't do whatever you want? So based on this calculation, you can invest your money. So how much is your portfolio values, your buying power, how much you can lose on that buying power. So you can hold the stock until it's hitting that values. Okay. So if you always invest a lot of money in a stock and is above a certain percentage, then of course you can take major risk and this will affect a lot your uh, trading's uh, methodology and your portfolio and whatever. So all the time is a matter of calculation. Mathematics is very important even for penny stocks. Second point is uh, each penny stock that goes up, it will go down as well. That's clear for everyone. This company are running out of money. They do a lot of offerings. And, uh, well, they, they, they have a lot of loans, debts, and liabilities. So if you look at their balance sheet, it's almost really, really horrible. So those companies are really poor and they money. The only way how they make money is be investors. So when the price goes up, they make the illusion of the stakes that they are holding, the insiders and the institutionals, basically, and then uh, they sell off and the price goes down again. Uh, so how you can avoid that is just by calculating the cash farming ratio of a company. So if you go on Yahoo Finance, you will see the cash flow of the company, how much cash they burn each quarter, and basically on the cash finance, you can calculate when they approximately will do the next offering. And uh, if you invest in penny stocks, it's very important to use tools. Which are those tools? There are plenty of tools to use. And few of them are free and few others you have to pay for them. So first of all, the most free tools to use is uh, Yahoo Finance. Over there, you can understand the value of the company. You just put the ticker of the company into your finance, and then you will see over there what is the balance sheet, the cash flow, which debts they have, the EPS per year growth, and the profit margin, operational cash, and whatever. So basically, you will know how healthy is a company that you are investing. Okay, so you already know basically if you are investing more into a company that is more toxic than others, and this can help you a lot. Second things to do is... Uh, you go only via official channels. One of the official channels I use is the sec.gov. So basically, we have all the filings over there. Each company that is quoted into the futures in America, like NASDAQ, Standard & Poor, they have all of them to submit to the SIP 
Eight case, thank you, prospectus for offering and whatever. So you have to look basically at all these type of forms that they have filled up. There are different type of forms. One form is called S3. This S3 is a prospectus, for example, offering. Another form is called S1, is another type of offering. I'm not going into details here to explain which one is and why. But both of them is basically dilution of the company. So they basically need money to go ahead with some studies and whatever. And they sell out shares. Okay. And uh, then you have the 10Q. The 10Q, it's basically telling it's the earning or the balance sheet or whatever. So you can see if a company by quarter what is losing or what is making. And the eight case that are general announcements. So when a company make a PR, they have to fill it up at 8K. When a FDA is approved, they have to fill up an 8K. Okay, so the 8Ks are important for this point. And you have to go into this website. Okay, also this website is free, you don't need to pay it. Another website that I can use a lot is uh, Finvits. From Finvits you can chart. So you can just look at the charting of the company and you look at the trending. So you can, uh, you can put there some uh, indicators. The indicators are trend line that basically are telling you what the price is doing of the company companies get momentum or what and uh, and then also there are free scanners that they post on Twitter and also in the garage uh, you can you can create your own free scanner and over there you can see which company is gaining momentum at this time okay so after that basically what you can do is uh, you can use other type of uh, websites with free usage one of these is uh, Fintel F-I-N-T-E-L dot I-O. Sorry for my English. I'm Italian, yeah? That's uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also Italian, so I get I have the same problem. <laughs> um, basically, over there, you can, uh, uh, you can see if uh, insiders or institutionals are selling or buying stocks to the company. So you can track, basically, the movements of the money. So you can follow the money normally. If you want to make money, you should follow the money. That's also the other part of trading. Okay, so if institutional are buying, it's because they're investing and they make their own DD. So what you can do basically is also make your own DD based on an institutional. Okay, so you can look at the ticker they buy and then you go there and say, okay, I will make my due diligence. And, uh, and then, of course, my most important tool that I use is Trade Ideas. Trade Ideas is a scanner that is giving me the ticker that moving during the day. Of course, Tradedia scanners are standardized, but also you can make your own scanners, your own filters, and you can code them as well. So what we have, for example, right now is uh, all customized Tradedia scanners with coding filters over there, based on volume. With that one, I can understand which stock is moving during the day. And, uh, Basically, for me, it's quite easy to understand the momentum of a ticker if I want to be a day trader. Now, the point is, the most complicated trade you can do is swing trading. Because with a day trading, well, you follow the volume, you follow the momentum of a ticker, you chart it, and then you can make your own trade during the day. It could be an easy game, but yes, the risk is also high because if the people start to sell and the stop loss are, are triggered, then it would be a, a big sell-off, okay? 
But with the swing trades, if you don't know what you're doing, basically you can lose tons of money because you can jump into a toxic ticker full of debts, ready for chapter 11. Okay, and then at the end you end up with no money. I cannot forget my first ticker ever. It was soon, it was a solar company, and it was trading in the past, I think about $20, then it went at 20 cents, and then I said, that was my first ticker, huh? And then I said, well, if it's 20 cents and it was $20, should go back to $20. No, the day after went chapter 11. I lost all my money almost. Yeah, it's a common mistake that I feel like a lot of new traders make when when looking at uh previous prices and stuff and you're like oh well it's it's got to go back up there at some point so i might as well get in now when that's not the case so that's a great great point um so i have a question for you um you know you talked about you know the how you go to these websites and the and kind of follow the money and that that seems to be kind of how you find which tickers you want to look more into right is to follow you know go to these websites and see where the money where the institutions are putting their money and then you start to research from there right is that that's kind of what i gathered from that okay so from that um are there any like when you start to actually do your own dd due diligence so a lot of also just real quick disclaimer a lot of people that uh, are listening to this have probably heard dd or due diligence a thousand times on our stock dads page or in the discords that's what all this is is you know research right so um once you start to do your dd and on a ticker that you found that the money is going you're following it right what are some of the factors um or the biggest indicators i guess that you look at um that say yeah this is a good one for me to get into like what are are there like a list of criteria that you go through and say like it needs to check off all these boxes before i buy or what's that look like well uh what i look first is the history of the company i look at the sector so which sector is this company is uh is uh, basically working and then the history what this company on this sector is doing what is uh, basically their uh, assets and the catalyst and the pipelines and whatever. So uh, what you need to do or what normally, I dig into the history of the company to see what product they are making, what is the upcoming products, why people are investing money on this. So basically it could be an upcoming uh, press release. So what you need to do is just anticipate that. And you do just uh, looking at the catalyst. So there are another website you can look is Biofarm Catalyst. Over there you can see the FDA calendar, and you can see if there's a stock with an approval FDA coming or not. That's a big risk sometimes. Or you can look at the history. For example, I had ABUS in the past. I alerted at two dollar twenty-seven, and it went to nine dollar. Right. The reason why I jump over there is because I saw Morgan Stanley. Just bought this one. And uh, the reason was basically a litigation with uh, mRNA, Moderna, and uh, for a patent. And, uh, well, they win the litigation. And uh, the, the, the price uh, went to $9. Yes, of course, there are emotional parts. It's no easy sometimes to handle it because the price is floating too much. Okay. But basically, that could be one of the reasons. So Morgan Stanley bought... ABUS, why Morgan Stanley bought ABUS? You have to go into the history of the company and check what the company was doing and what is the upcoming catalyst. And the upcoming catalyst in that case was the litigation with mRNA. 
So I have a quick question regarding like looking at the company's finances and stuff. My perception of it is, you know, with penny stocks, their finances may not always look great. Um, I don't know if that's a mis misinterpretation by me or not. But so when you're looking at these financials, will you play a company that maybe doesn't have the best spreadsheet or um, like if there's a really good catalyst you think is coming up, will you play it even if their balance sheet doesn't look great? Like kind of how does that work? It's always based on, on, on the risk. Okay. So you can play toxic company as well. But then you have to understand the possibility how much you can lose into this company. Now, um, I give you an example. An example, uh, it's uh, SMRT or uh, Stain Martin. It's Stain Martin or what's the name of this company? SMRT, the, the, the company that just filed for Chapter 11. Steinmart, yeah. yeah Steinmart. Mm-hmm. Steinmart. Steinmart, okay. So this company... It's not just based on me. You can look on Yahoo Finance. They was already running out of money. Their debts was too much, something like $520 million. And they have just 100, no, what, $2 million cash in hands. So basically, they was without money. And they had a lot of debts. And uh, what you can do is just can Google it. You can make research of a company that have bad financial if they are filing for a bankruptcy or whatever. So basically, you can avoid them. Okay, so just make some research. Why am I investing in this company that is so toxic? What is the upcoming catalyst? The biotech companies are a bit different. All of them are completely bad. All the penny stock biotech company, they are running out of money. They survive only with offerings to continue their study, their catalyst. And if they are successful, then you can win a lot of money. It's happened with MCRB. Okay, we saw that now it's trading at $26 and uh, they had an FDA approval on phase three. It was quite great, you know. So basically, just calculate risk over there. If you know that an upcoming catalyst is coming, uh, I think on the 28th, we have LPCN on a phase three approval. So what you can do is if they get approved already on, on the phase three with LPCN, there is a chance that this stock is going high is for a testosterone. Okay, now what you can do is, for example, you can look at LPCN and you can see uh, at any competitors if they get approval for the same type of drugs. So, one DD you can make, for example, LPCN right now has a patent infringement with this company that does the FDA approval for the testosterone uh, drugs. Okay, LPCN has not been approved by FDA, but this company has the same patent and is approved. So at this point, I'm expecting that LPCN will have an F, uh, FDA approved this coming month. So what will happen if it's approved? Well, it's going to be a phase three, and I believe could run. But if it doesn't run, how much you're going to lose? It can drop 50%. So you have to base, you have, you have to make make an investment based on your risk. Okay. So if your portfolio at this point is, I'm making an example, huh? ten thousand dollar then you are not going to put $10,000 into that stock and gambling that, okay? That's poor gambling. Even if the risk is high, is, is lower because there's already an approval. Anyway, you don't know what will happen after, after an approval or not approval. So you're just risking. And what you can do is just you put 10% of your portfolio. If you lose $500 on $10,000, it's not a problem. But then 
if you put one thousand dollar you can have a possible upcoming uh, win of three thousand dollar if it's going up three hundred percent okay that's what i mean so uh you can look at biofarm catalyst for for biotech stocks you can look at the calendar for fda approval and then you start to make some research okay competitors they have already this drug approved they are using the same type of drug if yes then why this company should not be approved okay so i'm basically you can try to invest your money over there is there a way on the websites that you can tell like if it's a similar drug to another company that's released like how are you able to tell you know what the drug is for i use google i just okay. write the ticker name or the company name <laughs> duh mike <laughs> <laughs> Don't disrespect monster calls with questions like that, Mike. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was a dumb question. I'm just kidding. No questions are dumb. Um, no, so Luca, I, I have another question. So you talk about all these, you know, things that you look for before buying a company uh, and like kind of all the, the, how, the, how the balance sheet looks and how the finances look and how the sector's doing and stuff like that. Um, are there any like flat out deal breakers like when you're researching a stock and is there something or anything that when you see it like you're like nope no chance i don't want any part of this stock uh i'm not touching it with a 10-foot pole are there any like deal breakers when you're doing your research like that well i think many people are talking you know in the past i make some some research about nobm for example this company has failed multiple time a drug and they're still repeating this drug all the time. And basically, for me, this is a no-go. It's going to fail again, again, and again. based on their history, okay? The competitors, they are not even playing this drug. So, in my opinion, a company like this that is running out of money and they're using a drug that doesn't work, it's, it's a waste of money to invest. Yes, of course, could take momentum and then could run up a certain point, okay? But then uh, that's just based on momentum. But the risk is anyway too high. So I will not invest money into a company that has multiple failures into drugs, okay? And also the competitors doesn't have so many competitors over there and no one is winning against these drugs, okay? So basically that's where I don't put my money. But that's for biotech's company. Then you can see all the retails. You can see the market, okay? What's going on into the world? Right now all the oil companies for me are toxic. I will not invest money into an oil company in penny stocks because they are running out of money. The oil price is so low and the extraction of the oil is so expensive that basically for them it's every single day waste of money. So they are forced to close the well, but it's not even good to close a well because if a well is closed, well it's dying. So what they need to do is keep in producing. And for them it's cost, maintenance is cost, and all these things. Retails company, because of COVID, many retails companies are failing, okay? So they are bankrupted because, well, they were forced by COVID to close the store. But it was also an excuse because right now also the, the, the world is changing, yeah? Everyone right now are buying more online than uh, going into the shop compared to before. So what will happen to all these stores? In my opinion, our retail stores, in tutors, yeah, they will not do so well. So it's it's also considering the future growth of our uh, of our uh, let's say the, the modernization of uh, our society. Okay, how how we change our lifestyle that could affect as well our investment. 
So on the flip side of that, DJ just asked if there were any factors that, you know, will cause you to just not even explore a stock at all. Like what are some of the, are there, is there anything when you're looking at a stock where it'll just jump out as like a perfect play? Perfect play. Uh, a perfect play could be, uh, it's different, okay? Um, one perfect play, it was, for example, for me, MARA. I bought it on a Friday, even if the BTC dropped. Anyway, it, it didn't went so down and it recovered. So MARA was running for a few days. Okay, so for me, that was the perfect one. But then it's, it's based on microeconomic events. So you know that a BTC is running, so all the companies that are crypto-related are running. Another one that was good was uh, BOXL. So basically, there was all the schools online, also HMHC. Okay, so I look into BXL, BOXL, there was no offering over it. All the S3 form was closed, so it was safe for me to go. Plus, the educational sector was moving. So basically, you are investing money into a microeconomical event. So you are investing money in a company that is affected into microeconomical event. And this is repeatable every year. I remember when I started trading, there was a period of shippers. So all the shipper was moving, I think it was five years ago when I started trading. And we have uh, DRYS, D-R-Y-S. If you remember, it went to $150 from nothing. Together with DRYS, there was all the other shippers that was moving. Now the shippers are done. They don't exist anymore, in my opinion. You cannot invest money into TOPS or GLBS or whatever. But the microeconomical event can always change a sector. So what co- what happened with COVID, for example? The COVID virus, all the biotechs that was investing into a vaccine for COVID, they was moving. So that's that's sector related. So you have to look at the events and the news that are happening every day in our world, and most probably you can invest money. When was the movement? No black life, uh, black life matters. You saw all the BFYC and also UONE, yeah, UONE and UONEK. Many other companies was moving crazy. So it's also sector related. Okay, so microeconomical even. That's where you can invest money. You just make a research based on the events that are happening right now, for example, and then uh, these events. Will affect a lot any type of stock. That's the anticipation you can have. So when you're talking about you know anticipating sectors and stuff like that, and watching, paying attention to the news and and you know what's going on in the in the global and you know local national economy and stuff like that to kind of predict. So I mean, what where do you see? I guess where where do you see the sectors going? What do you think the next big thing is going to be? Like just uh, from your uh, experience now and what you're anticipating moving forward do you have any guesses on what the next big thing is going to be no because uh, right now for the sector well uh, you can see what happened right now with all the covid i was looking today and we have the russian vaccine coming out and all the covid related companies now are falling down okay now people doesn't trust the russian vaccine but in any case it's affecting a lot of this penny stock it was uh, into the vaccine level. 
In terms of bullish, at the moment, I don't see anything. We have to see what will be the next microeconomical event. So in a short, short term of view, if something happened a day before, then you should start to analyze what could be the mover in the next coming days. Okay? So you can go to Finvits, you can look at the sector that basically is attacked by anything, and then you can invest money over there. Uh, that could be one. For different type of investment, what you do is just, well, you just look at solid, based, supported trading stocks. You are sure that they are not burning so much cash, okay, by the cash flow ratio. You are sure that historically they don't make so many offers. You are sure the company, in any case, is not going to fight for Chapter 11. And uh, you can try to trade this type of stocks. They are solid under accumulation. And the second point that we'll explore. So it sounds like, you know, you're talking about a lot of things like the company's cash flow, how much they're borrowing and stuff like that. Um, how much do you look at like fundamental analysis over technical analysis? Like, do you have like a, do you consider both of them? Do you favor one of those over the other? And actually, before you jump in, just a quick you know, note for our listeners who may not know what that means, uh, you know, fundamental analysis is more the analysis that, you know, Luca's talking about where it's talking about the financial statements, like the overall health of a, an organization, um, you know, what the competitors in the sector are doing, stuff like that. And then technical analysis is, you know, forecasting price movements and stuff like that, like using charts and past market data and indicators and things like that. Right, Luca? I mean, I'm, did I explain that? Okay, I'm, I'm still new to this as well, but I just want our listeners to understand what, what you're about to answer before uh, you dive in. Yeah. Yeah. Fundamental are basically the financial part of a company and technicals are basically the chart part of company. So you look at the chart, you look at the trend lines you look at the candlestick that's a technical and then the fundamental you just look at the balance sheet you will see the liabilities you will see the asset and so and so and so now the point is simple for me when i do some swing trades i look more into fundamental or more technical i look about them the point is this if i jump into a ticker and i don't want to take a risk i should know that this company is not suffering in terms of money they could have amazing technicals, but if they are suffering money-wise, of course, a company to survive have to do something. And when they cannot meet some criteria, then they can get delisted. They can get anything. If you look, for example, at KJ, KGJI, okay? KGJI, it was delisted or child for voluntary delisting. If you look at their numbers, the chart was amazing. But if you look at their numbers, they have 2.2 billion steps, 2.2 billion steps, and they cannot pay out. Okay, so you can look at the chart and say, wow, well, I'm going to invest money on this. But what happen if a company suddenly is making an announcement and saying, I'm going to do a voluntary delisting from NASDAQ? You cannot anticipate that if you look just at the technical. But if you look at the fundamentals, you are preventing to invest money into something toxic. Okay, so so you'd look more at the fundamentals first before kind of digging into the technical analysis of it. Like the fundamentals are almost like a like almost a phase one. Like you have to hit the check boxes on the fundamentals before you'll look at the technicals. Yeah, major failure are coming when I don't look at the fundamentals. I jump wide into a ticker, 
I didn't look at the fundamentals and then I lose money. That's what happened to me. And the only way to prevent it, in my opinion, is to be sure that I'm owning a company that even if it's going down for now, it will recover because the fundamentals are good. Sure. So you seem to rattle off these, you know, these tickers and the prices that you bought in, um, you know, and all the, and like the prices that they went to and all that stuff. Like it's, I mean, written down right in front of you. Um, so is it, I mean, I guess like when you, when you get into a trade, I mean, how do you track it? Do you track what you've, what you bought, where you bought it, why you bought it and that kind of stuff so that you can understand kind of, you know, if the, if it starts to go down a little bit, are you, you know, looking back at to, at your reasonings for buying it in the begin with, you know, how do you track all this stuff and remember it? Or do you just have one of those beautiful minds that can, you know, remember everything <laughs> off the top of your head like it's nothing? Uh, my problem is uh, sometimes, you know, the problem with penny stocks, they can get emotional because the volatility is too high on a smaller float. And even with good earnings or good news, if uh, there are no people buying, these stocks doesn't move. Okay, even could be the best stocks ever, but if there are no people buying these stocks, it will remain there because it's a penny stock. So the problem is there. If you catch a stock without volume, you are there, you lose momentum. It's gonna be there. It's gonna die. It's gonna stay there forever. Now, when you catch a stock into high momentum, the problem is a stock with high momentum, and you buy it on the top, then it's gonna fall down because the people that are buying at the bottom, they're selling on the top. And if you're buying at the top, somebody's going to sell for you. Okay, so you're buying something and it will drop. It starts to drop. People will start to sell it to take their profit. And it will drop. It's a penny stock. So the problem is where you buy hot. Always there. My, my main problem, as I said, are my failures are um, mostly when I buy stock and I don't look at the fundamentals. And I buy too high. This happened for me with IBO. I lost 42% of my, I lost 42% on that stock. So for me, it's a lot of money. 42% is a lot. I buy too high and I sell at $2, I bought a $4.27 and I sold at $2.20. And the reason is because I bought the hype. Okay. And companies, I look at the financial and at the fundamentals of the company and this, that, they don't have money. They have nothing. They have just assets, but they have nothing. They are empty. And all the insiders, they have sold their own shares. So if you look at the insiders as well, you will see 88% of the insiders have sold their own shares. So why I bought something where the insiders are selling right now? That's my main mistake. And then I ask myself, why buy this company like this so blindly? You know, emotions. So emotions are my enemies sometimes. But that's happened to everyone, not only to me. I think all the traders, even better traders than me, they have emotion when they trade. You know, it's normal. It's part of the human nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like it can maybe even be harder with penny stocks too because there's so much more volatile and you can see the price just shoot up really fast. So I know we hear a lot like don't chase, like just play conservative, play smart. Um, how so how long are you researching a stock before you'll jump into it like how how will you watch it for a couple days just to kind of see what it's doing like how how long are you watching before you hop in well this depends from the type of strategy i'm using 
if I'm on a day trade, then I use my scanners for day trade into momentum. So I follow the volume, I jump it in, I take my risk of there, I put my stop loss, and then I try to give the trend. And then I sell it at the end of the day. And uh, that's what I do on the day trade. If I do a swing, I go into some ticker during the weekend. I will look at these tickers, I will look at these companies, I will do my own DD, and then uh, I will look at the potential. So I have the weekend for me to, to study some stock and uh, in fundamentals. So I can go into Biofarm Catalyst or whatever for FDA calendar, for example. So I think this uh, next week I'm going to buy LPCN. I'm going to put some money over there and uh, I will see what will happen. I've done my research. I think it's good. Then of course I take my risk, but you know there is there is no momentum at the moment in this stock. So what I'm doing right now is a research during the weekends, and then I can buy on a better price if the better price comes. If not, well, 28 is the FDA approval or not approval. So I will try to be there on the 27 maximum or 26 if I cannot see any good entry, and then I will take my risk over there. So for swing, yes, weekends are my days where I can make my studies. Okay. Will you ever, so say like, so you've got a stock you've looked at over this weekend and you've done your DD on it, but you're not exactly sure like how it's looking. Will you wait a few days when the week comes around and just see how it's moving before you hop in or will you just hop in right away? No, I just look how it's moving before. I look okay. at the past and then look at the present. Okay. So when you're swing trading, um, do you, I know everybody's got kind of a different approach or strategies to this, but I want to get yours um, while, while we've got you. So do you phase into plays? Uh, you know, like if you're going to buy a swing, do you just put in your, like everything that you want in that play all like when you feel like it's a good position or do you buy just like a, a portion of what you want your entire position to be and then wait for tips? Cause I mean like the problem that I face is uh, I'll, I'll want to buy into a, you know, a swing trade and I'll put in a portion of it and then I'll wait for another dip. And then it just never, sometimes it never dips back where I am and I end up, you know, having to average up if I want to keep getting more. So I guess what's your strategy for phasing into a play? I don't like average down any stock. For me, if something is uh, going down, it's not good. Uh, I can afford some risk. So basically, when I go into a swing trade, I put the money, I already think to invest into this company. And then I put my risk on it, so my stop loss. If it's going down, well, I'm out of it. I will try again next time. I never average down. If I average down, I'm scared I start to be a bag holder, you know? So it can go even more down, even more down, even more down, and then I will have a lot of money left. <laughs> well, I just averaged down a lot this week, so that's a little disheartening. <laughs> <laughs> it was a horrible week for everyone, I think, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I did a lot of averaging down this week, and uh, I, I felt pretty good about it. But now I don't. Now I feel like I'm just gonna <laughs> keep flushing more of my money down the down the toilet. No, that's that's a that's a really interesting. I mean, that's a good uh, perspective to hear because I mean, you're right. If it's going down, I mean, I guess it could go back up. But I guess statistically speaking, I mean, the risk to reward, you know, ratio is probably not in your favor if you're 
if it's going down. So um, now the, I guess the same question for, you know, phasing out of a play. So, I mean, if you, uh, when you're setting price targets, I guess, um, what's your strategy for setting a price target? Um, and then on your way up to that price target, do you phase out so that you're riding free plays? I guess uh, one of the issues that I, and I'm sure a lot of, a lot of traders new and experienced, you know, run into is, um, jumping out too early or waiting too long. So I guess what's your strategy for that? Well, um, sometimes I fail as well. It's not only new people do it. I think everyone uh, sell uh, a certain point to take the profit. So there is no real strategy on it. What I do normally, I sell 25% of my position just to be sure when something starts to move to take a little bit of profit in case it's going down. And then I set my stop loss at my entry. That's what I do. And then I will keep looking at the trend into the chart. So I put a five minutes chart and then my swing trade can become a day trade or maximum two days trade. Okay. So basically the point for me is if my swing trade is getting a press release, then it's getting momentum. Then a certain point it will go down again. Okay. It will not go up forever. So what I do is my swing trade become a day trade or maximum load overnight. That's what I do. So 25% selling on a certain price target. I look at the chart history. I look at the resistance level. If you don't know what resistance are, basically is uh, the you look at the daily charts and then you can look in the three or six months chart where was the maximum price that hit during that six months or the repeated price in a certain channel. Okay. And basically that's your resistance. If it's breaking out that resistance, then there will be another price target. So what you can do is just look at the history because history repeats itself tendentially even in the stock market. And that could be your price target point or your initial price target. So you look at basically at the resistance level. Right. So it's, it's once you're in a trade, um, then you, I mean, you use technical analysis mostly for your price targets and, and stuff like that, because uh, I could see, you know, using fundamental analysis is not the most reliable way, I guess, to guess how high a stock's going to go. Correct? Yeah. No, the fundamental doesn't tell you how much the stock is going up. The technicals, when the momentum is coming, is going to tell you where you have to sell. So when a stock is moving and uh, what you need to do is just basically you put a daily chart on it, you go live with your daily chart, you put your five minutes and then 15 minutes chart live, and then you put your EMA, EMA 8, EMA 20, EMA 50, and then you can chart it, okay? And then you follow the trend. You can see simply that when a stock is losing momentum, then the candle starts to trade below this uh, trending line, okay? And then it will continue to stay below. So there is no way for this stock to move back up. It's losing momentum. Everybody are selling. So it will, it will be go, it will go down anyway. So maybe that's the point when you have to sell your stock. Okay, so you just look at the momentum, and the momentum is by the trend line. So volume plus trend. Okay. Yeah, I think that's helpful. I think in the future, we're going to try to do an episode more around technical analysis and like how you can do it and read charts better. Um, 
I I did have a question really quick. I think we're going to wrap up pretty soon after this, but um, I had a question about setting your stop. So how how tight do you usually set your stop limits? Do you and do you set it off of technical analysis, like where you think the support line is, or do you set it more based off of like the risk you're willing to take on a on a stock? Based on risk, I'm willing to take into a stock. Okay. So for example. If, uh, you know, I can go even down 50%, same, same with IBO that happened to me, okay, 42%. But I was willing to take this loss. I calculate a big loss over there. So for me, if I don't invest so much money, you know, it's not a big loss. It's all the, all the time it's based on the amount of money you invest. If you put $10,000 and this 10% down is $1,000, right? If you put $1,000, 10% down is $100. If you put $100,000, 10% down is $10,000. So it's always based for me on the amount of money, money and not percentage of risk that I'm willing to take. It's based on my money. It's not based on money, based on the stock market. So my risk, honestly, is always based on it. So how much I'm willing to lose. Sure. Awesome, man. Well, uh, I think, you know, I, I could sit here all day and ask you questions, but for, for the sake of uh, time and for, you know, out of respect, your sanity, my your sanity for sure, because, uh, you know, you're talking to a couple of uh, noobs here, but we, I, we super appreciate uh, you taking the time to talk to us. And I think this was jam packed with value. Um, really excited to, you know, get this out to our listeners. And I hope that they find a lot of the same value as, as we did. Um, you know, just to kind of, you know, plug you a little bit, uh, you know, for our listeners who um, may not already know you, uh, which to me is surprising if you don't, what are you doing with your life if you don't already know who Monster Calls is in the trading world. But, um, you know, look, look, you know, Luca up on Twitter. Uh, it's at Monster Call or at Monster underscore calls, right? Luca, is that, yeah. I got that one right. Okay. And then, um, you know, he, he t- puts out a lot of his, you know, what he's playing and, and, you know, a lot of, uh, due diligence that he's finding and stuff like that. Obviously, just like any, any, you know, professional trader, you should do your own due diligence and it's not, you know, definitely not, you know, formal financial advice or anything like that, but it's, it's definitely super valuable to follow him and kind of learn. And he's, he does a great job of explaining things. Um, you're also part of a Discord, right, Monster? You want to talk about that for just a second? Yeah, yeah, I'm part of the garage. It's just a small Discord group we created one month ago with you other traders. Uh, we know just by trading, so we don't know personally each other's. With most of them, I even never seen the face, you know, because we all lose avatar. Except me, I put my face over there. So my face is the one you see right now. And uh, yeah, but for most of the others, I see strange pictures, but it's okay. It's part of our community. We have this small uh, Discord group that we have uh, 17,000 members. And uh, yeah, we just share ideas and uh, I share my knowledge as well. I give free lessons to people. Uh, You have an educational channel as well over there. So I just put my lessons so people can read it. And uh, it's, it's nice also to share idea with other people, you know. So I can also read other stuff from other people, and that's also nice. 
absolutely so yeah i mean guys feel free to check out the garage on discord and and uh if you're not already uh, part of the stock dads community on facebook you know be sure to um check that out and join us on the stock dads community again it's just a like-minded community of dads who are trying to learn more about the stock market and you know how to build generational wealth with one another uh, we will definitely put some links uh in the you know show notes regarding some of the sites that Luca was discussing today about, you know, how, where he finds his due diligence and all that kind of stuff, as well as, um, you know, link to his monster calls on Twitter. Um, but yeah, I, I can't thank you enough, Luca. It's been a, a real pleasure talking to you. I, I don't even want to, you know, uh, do our normal shtick of, you know, dad jokes. Cause I just feel <laughs> like it's, uh, it's not worthy. <laughs> so, uh, thank you for joining us. Do you have anything else that you want to say to the listeners, Luca? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, have a wonderful week, upcoming week. I hope you will make money, but it's August, so be careful. Don't invest so much at the moment, okay? <laughs> That's, uh, for sure. Your money uh, we for need that reminder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, save your money for a better month, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, all right, guys. Well, this has been the Stocks and Sandals podcast, and we, we really appreciate all of our listeners. Be sure to like and subscribe and you know throw some feedback on, on any of the podcast platforms that you're listening to. But otherwise, we will talk to you soon. Take care, Mike. See you, Luca. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Stocks and Sandals, a podcast by Stock Dads for Stock Dads. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and join our Stock Dads community on Facebook and Instagram. But most importantly, don't touch the thermostat.